This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we talk about all things Star Wars, looking at the differences between legends versus canon, what Disney has kept, adapted, changed, and the differences between different topics. Uh, This week or this series, we are focusing on the starships, which there are numerous and plenty. We will be talking about starships forever. Um... But I am one of your hosts. I am Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Ben of Tamaria. And yeah, it seems like there's there's too many starships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, this week we are pivoting back from our patron episode about Andor. And this week we're going to the Rebel Alliance for a classic ship. The A-Wing. Classic mm-hmm. indeed. Looks cool. Terrible to fly. If anybody yes. knows if you're playing Star Wars Squadrons or even the Battlefront 2 games or even the old Battlefront 2 games, they're great. Yep. They look cool in ships. They do not hold up very well at all. <laughs> no, they do not. Almost, no, they do they're not. They're better than ties. That's true. It's still better than ties, but not by much, in my opinion. They're only better than ties because they have shields, and the rebellion is not doesn't consider their pilots just an expendable resource. Yes, agreed. But let's get into the legends of things, like always, uh, with the history, and then into the development of the of the A wing, General Jane. Dodonna, after action review of the Battle of Yavin, affirmed the value of the Alliance Starfighters, but also highlighted Alliance Starfighters that a simple trio of TIE Fighters had almost foiled the trench run. Which, if you go back Mm. and watch A New Hope, yeah. Literally three TIEs almost botched the entire operation. If it wasn't for the Millennium Falcon to come back, they would have been done yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent uh dodonna planned to create a dedicated alliance interceptor in a tiff's anticipation of a similar analysis by the imperial navy indeed sonar fleet systems accelerated work on the updated tie interceptor which would be a match for the a-wing speed to design uh to design the Starfighter, Dodonna turned to Walex Blissex, famed ex-Kuwait systems engineering engineer. Bilix brought valuable experience from work from the Clone Wars area Delta 7 Aetherspite class light interceptor and the Alpha 3 interceptors, which those are the Jedi interceptors that we see in the Clone Wars. Those are the Starfighters that the Jedi use. Oh, yeah. Uh, the pair, based on initial designs on the R22 Spearhead, already nicknamed by the pirates of the A Wing, per the wing naming convention, the other rebel craft of which the two fought on Yavin, obviously being the X and the Y Wing, 
They formed Alliance Underground Engineering and worked with the pilot Jake Farrell in improving the Tamazin design and it was additionally based off the Delta 7. Which the Delta 7 is the triangle looking uh, Jedi Starfighter. So if you ever play the old game, literally, I think it's just called Jedi Starfighter, the game. Star yeah. Wars Jedi, uh, Jedi, uh, Jedi Starfighter. It's literally the cover art. It is literally the yellow triangle shit. Interesting. Uh, Dudana and Bilix presented a proposal to Chief State Chief of State Mon Matha for official support. It was ill-timed. The victory of the Yavin indicated open rebellion in thousands of worlds, resulting in widespread imperial uh, suppression. The alliance was scattered and insignificant funds for the proposed A-wing program. Nonetheless, Adana, famed for his soul, for his role at Yavin, made a denial difficult, and Mamatha approved with reduced funding. Hmm. So it kicked off in Legends. It kicked off with a very low budget. Needless to say. Yep. So we yeah. go to the early production now. You had some teacup? Oh no, I was just saying that's interesting. It's just um interesting with Mom Mothma's um approved with reduced funding just because the brief interactions we get with her kind of shed more light on her character of I'm trying to hold this together and everyone is making my life difficult. So here's some money, but shut up about it. <laughs> so with the early production, the reduced budget forced Dodana and Bilix to substantially modify the original design. Bilix redraft and use components readily available from ordnance and supply command, pushing each beyond factory specifications. The earliest A-Wings were hand-assembled at Alliance facilities like Cardooning and the Chardon shipyards. This resulted in interesting modifications. Some fighters incorporated actual wood furnishings for the cockpit interior, such as the one in the Rogue Squadron pilot. Tycho Sochu flew during the Battle of Endor. That had been the most uncomfortable like I don't know, like furnishings. I don't know if they're talking about like just the chair, or if they're talking about like dash, like what your dashboard would be, kind of thing. But I would assume that they are talking about like the frame and dashboard, like it's a frame wood, like with metal, which just. <laughs> Seems impractical. Right. With what I know about, like, space travel. Electric fires. For <laughs> a good example. Electric fires. Heated plasma lasers. Hitting that. Even just atmosphere entry. Just the heat. Yeah. Coming out. Yeah. yeah. How, how... That had a bit... Yeah, that's such impractical... I just don't think it, even even if with reinforced with certain metal things, I just don't think it would hold up. Even though were the A, I don't know if A wings were even compatible with the re atmospheric entry, honestly. But we'll find out. 
uh, you can here. you can fly them in the first Battlefront game ever. True. When you saw in Zero ABY, the Soaring Dactylians were assigned for the prototypes to fly the Cardoon's Rebel base. After a week, they came under attack by the Empire, and the Dactylians flew the fighter in battle. Although they proved that the Starfighter had superb qualities, only two of the pilots survived. Which is sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, only two pilots survived the attack on the Death Star. True that. That's true as well. Uh, more serious was the slow production rate, allowing the fielding of a few squadrons. Only one full unit green squadron was presented at the Battle of Endor and for ABY. Elsewhere, A-wings were issued to a handful of cracked units, like the Nomad Squadron and Pash Kraken's Wing. The combination of hand assembly and second-hand components, density of the complex systems, and the general lacks of quality control, aggravated maintenance. The A-wing had the second-worst maintenance to flight ratio in the Alliance fleet in 3 ABY. Now, I want to know what the first one is. Right? When was the first one? I mean, it's not the X-Wing, because part of the X-Wing was that it could be mass-produced. Um, and then... The Y-Wing, maybe? Maybe the Y-Wing, but it's not an exact, like... They're not exactly taking the... It's like the BTY mm-hmm. wing, which is the one in the Republic during the Clone Wars. They're, like, adapting it. So I feel like it's a different model maybe the b-wing maybe i don't know yeah the b-wing might so the operational development uh the rebel alliance acquired some a-wings at some point after the battle of yapin which they eventually used for the first time when ambushed by imperial forces in the Isun corridor the first Alliance raids using A-Wings surprised Imperial forces, which they had been unable to penetrate the veil of secrecy over the Interceptor's development. The Rebels' Rogue Squadron employed A-Wings during their search for the starship Noah. Uh, Noah. Around six months after the Battle of Yavin, the squadron also employed it during the battle above Tal- uh, Talorian. Uh, Wedge and Tilly's flew it during a raid on Bespin and flew the Starfighter during a strike on Destrillion. Rebel pilot Ace Ozaman also flew the A-Wing during the number of missions with the Alliance fleet. A lone A-Wing pilot by Arvel Crinid played a major role when it helped destroy the Star Dreadnought Executor during the Battle of Endor by ramming it into the bridge, causing the entire ship to fall, crash, into the second Death Star. Oh, yes. All right. I always thought, I didn't understand that, really, when I was watching Return of the Jedi for the first time. I was like, they just crashed into a small part. Why why does that take out the executor? It's because it took out the bridge, and my six-year-old self couldn't understand that. (laughs) Yeah, same as me. It was like, oh, that's cool explosions. Oh, look, the big ship went bloom. Whoa. But I feel like, I still feel like all of like the engineering components 
would still like be there like the stabilizers and all that i'm if all of those are on the bridge like the main system controls for all of that are on the bridge what happens if there's a power outage you're screwed maybe it's (laughs) maybe it does cause a thing but because it's so close to the death star the death star's gravity pulls it in possibly maybe that's fine Though I'm trying to explain Star Wars, and that's always a failed endeavor. <laughs> yeah, there's no explanation. It's just, the only explanation is the Force, and that's that's all yes. I need. The Force. Um, the A-Wing was also used by the Alliance successor as Galactic Government, the New Republic, and 8-ABY Rogue Squadron pilot Tycho Chal- Sochu led Surprise Squadron to capture... Um, Led Surprise Squadron at the capture of Kuwait. Their A-Wings were equipped with X... I can't talk today. Experimental Iron Torpedoes. The mission was success, uh, and the massive shipyards of orbiting Kuwait fell into the New Republic hands. I have to know. I have to know. Does Surprise Squadron yell surprise when they go into battle? Oh, God. That is a very good question, and now I'm only thinking of somehow Jackson saying it. Oh, yeah. Surprise. It's It's a... a... Oh, God, what movie is it? Well, it's it's not a movie. It's Dexter. Oh, it's Dexter? Yeah. Um, It it happens one time. I think it's towards the end of season one or something, but Dexter gets caught by one of the detectives... He is black, so with that yeah. since then he it's says in the shipyards and he says surprise. And then, uh, yeah. 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 It's it's yeah. hysterical. That's all I think now. It's like, oh my god, that'd be great to be in Surprise Squadron. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh the A Wings also participated in the attack on Mon Mon Calamari, where there's several where several were destroyed by world devastators which were the successors to the Star Destroyers. Uh, in 13 ABY, A-Wings were stationed on Coruscant, gold-striped craft escort, escorted Kerr-Kano's shuttle to a landing pad where it entered restricted airspace near the Royal Palace. A-Wings were also assigned to General Han Solo's fleet to mop up operations around the time. A contingent of A-Wings were also carried on board on Mon Calamari's Star Cruiser, Captain by Lar Nido, Nido, uh, who was assigned to Solo's fleet and was detached to reconnector the planet planetoid. This is a doozy. RZ seven dash six one one three dash two three. The A wings fought off attacking restored Empire V wing starfighters during the essential battle over the planetoid. Later, after the peace treaty with the Galactic Empire, A-Wings were flown by pilots of Kip's dozens to hunt smugglers before the squadron was decimated by Yuzhong Vaughn pilots. And let me tell you, Yuzhong Vaughn are no laughing matter. If you think, like, the First Order or, like, anything we see in the prequels were, like, devastating, the Yuzhong Vaughn. 
15 times worse. Their ships were organic. Everything of theirs was organic. Their weapons, too. It was terrifying. They were force resistance on top of that, where the Sith and the Jedi had to actually come together to fight them because they were both giving they were both beginning blows by the Yuzhan Vaughn terribly. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was that bad. It's a great storyline. Very, very dark. Mm -hmm. And uh forty four ABY, two A wings were assigned to the Galactic Alliance Starfighter Command contingent at Skiffer Station Orbiting Kurotween. How many tweens do we need in, in Star Wars? I think they're all in the same system. I would. Tatooine and Dantooine aren't. Well, I guess that's true. They're on opposite sides. Did you know there's Tatooine and Tattoo 2 or something like that? Dear God, why? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, though it's been designed to defend immobile stations or slow-moving violence starships from starfighter raids, the A-Wing was pressed into service as a quick-strike fighter as part of the post-Javan Alliance strategy of guerrilla warfare, which makes sense during the time when they were used for the Rebel Alliance. That's all the Rebel Alliance was doing was guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you, the best thing to do if you're fighting with the low numbers against a... Mm-hmm vast majority uses an impressive straight line acceleration advanced jamming package a wings were able to hit targets before they could respond and then flee before the defense could ever be organized wish i could do that in squadrons i can't (laughs) this change found its apex in a devastating tactic known as the a wing slash which was developed by general garm bell iblis a group of X-Wings were approached the Imperial Convoy hiding a number of A-Wings and their drive exhaust. The A-Wings would then pull apart, dividing attention away from the speedy A-Wings, which could launch HM-6 concussive missiles against the convoy and pull away. The A-Wings also found a reconnaissance missions were become a favorite among fleet intelligence and alliance intelligence operatives. For its speed, a team of A-Wings could exit hyperspace near an imperial objective, begin jamming enemy sensors, draw scans and holographic imagery, and then retreat before being detected. If it was detected, the pilots would easily outrun any pursuers ensuring the safety of the pilot and the intelligence. I think you actually do that in the Squadrons campaign. I think. You're flying. It's one of the missions that defaults you to the A-Wing. I don't think I've gotten that far. No. I need to play more of that game. Uh, while the A-Wing became popular with the Hit and Fade raids and were constant duty, it was required to operate from a nearby base of operations or carrier ship because of the navigational computer's limitations, which could only store coordinates for two hyperspace jumps before acquiring cal- calibration. That is terrible. Hmm. Only two hyperspace jumps? The tie well, interceptor. It's real small. It is true. That is that's true. It is small. Uh, the tie interceptor, better known as the well, the tie slash in interceptor, better known as the tie interceptor, 
was perhaps the Empire's closest equivalent to the A-Wing. The Interceptor had two more laser cannons and better agility when give, uh, give it to the edge of the dogfight, but its lack of shields and warhead launchers limited its durability and tactical usage. The Interceptor was, like all mass production ties, generally available in large numbers, but A-Wing pilots tend to be more skilled and they have higher survival rates than the Interceptor counterparts. Again, that's because the Rebellion doesn't view them as an expendable resource. Yep, and the Empire sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I really when, like... When it comes to their mass production of things in human life, or any life. And their tendency to build orb-shaped space stations that destroy planets. That too. Um. But I do like that Andor bringing a little light into the Empire's incompetence and framing yes. it as arrogance. Yes. Uh, I love that whole speech he gives. It's like, oh, this makes more sense now. Yeah. They're not just incompetent. We still don't know why stormtroopers can't aim, but... Well, we kind of got that from Rebels with Rex. You can't see through the helmet. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, then how are clone was... troopers so accurate? Because the armor was better. I don't know. <laughs> well, I they mean, changed also... the armor to be worse? I mean, you also have to put in where clones are bred soldiers. The Empire mm, just took any Joe off the street just to increase their numbers. Just to have... And most people just signed up to be in the Empire just so they could get something to survive on that's true that's true so in a pure chase a wings could outrun the interceptor however they were the only this was the only if the a wing was undamaged later imperial starfighters such as the tie avenger and the tie defender in the missile boat were easily more than a match for the a wing however they were never mass produced to the turmoil in the imperial navy and that's what we got in Legends. Fun stuff. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's go to our break and then we can get in. Sweet. All right, well, welcome to the middle show where we talk about all things that have to do with the podcast, but not the lore of Star Wars, is now that I thank our patrons. Um, thank you so much for your support. And you too can support us on by going to patreon.com slash holocon histories and signing up for one of our tiers that get you all kinds of benefits from just ad-free episodes to coming on the show with us and once a month and hanging out with us like we did last week. And so if you want to do that, you can go on to patreon.com and sign up. And we greatly appreciate all that support. Another great way to support us is to leave us a rating or review on Spotify. And that really helps boost our podcast and lets other people know, hey, this is a great show. And if you leave us a five-star review with words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And so we do have a review to read today. Um, this comes from King Cobra zero zero and says, great show. Love the show. I wish there was an episode on the origin of the first order, their ships, their troops, and Kylo Ren. Also an episode on Mando and his weapons. I guess 
to all of those things. We will cover those well, we things. Will at some point as if you do want some first order content, I do believe we go briefly, briefly into details on our Empire episode. Yes. Back in the early. Yeah. Yep. So, but we might give them a little, their own episode for a little more. Mm-hmm. With more, and this goes with the comics, with more stuff being developed specifically for like the newer comics, some that deal deal with the, the first order when the mm-hmm. uh, sequels are still coming out. And then Mando is actually now getting comics. So, yeah. which I think, no, I don't know. I might actually have the first issue right here. I do. But, um, yeah, they're, they're still expanding more of that. And then, you know, we can Mando season three next year. So, yeah, more to come. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, that. thank you so much for that review. And you too can support us by leaving reviews or ratings on Apple or Spotify. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is you can come hang out with us on Discord. You can hang out with us on the Cups Podcasting and More Discord server, which is where to hang out for all of podcasts that I am on, whether that's with Ben or with my other uh, co-host, SheCup. You can check those out. That's the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, the Dragon Age Lorecast, and the Inheritance Page by Page podcast. Join that Discord. You can hang with Ben and I, talk about Star Wars, talk about everything. You can also find us on the Robots Radio Discord, where it's just the place to be for podcasts about video games or nerdy fandom things. If you're looking for a podcast about one of those things, the Robots Radio place is a place to be there. And you can find great shows like the Mass Effect Lorecast or Witcher Lorecast, which Ben is often on. I've been on every patron episode now that I think about it. Yeah. So. And uh, you can also find my other podcast, Wizard and World yes. Lorecast, where we go in the deep dive of the Harry Potter universe and all the lore of that. Uh, right now, we're deep diving into the magic of the world, and soon we are going to go into Wand of Lore, which is pretty heavy. The wand chooses the wizard. That it, it does. It, that it does. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yes. No, there is more. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. And you can check out all of those shows. And yeah, greatly appreciate that. All right. Well, let's get back into it. Sweet. Did you hear it this time? No. Oh, man, what happened? Maybe it's my end. That's interesting. Well,. I'm sorry. Uh, these sound effects, I don't know what's up with them. You hear the other ones, right? Yeah, I hear the blasters. I just don't hear the scream. Just Oh, you just don't hear the Wilhelm? Maybe the blasters just overtake the Wilhelm or something. I don't know. But now we're, since we're back, we're going to go back into the canon of things. Uh, so the pre-Galactic Civil War, so this is during, obviously, the Clone Wars saga. Uh, the RZ-1 was based off the original R-2-2 prototype developed and replacement for the Republic's Aether Sprite Starfighter, rejected by the Empire, Rebel Cells acquired several R22s and stripped them down to boost this fighter's speed and acceleration to counter the Empire's new TIE slash IN interceptor. These RZ1s would come to play in the role of the Alliance Victory at Endor. And then some of the earliest uses of the RZ1 included use of forces, security allied, and with Bail Ogana one year after Order 66, 
years after a group of A-Wing fighters were part of Captain or Commander June Sato's Phoenix Cell, which was part of a larger rebellion. So, Star Wars Rebels right there. That's where <laughs> June Sato comes from. During the time of the early rebellion, approximately two years after the Battle of Yavin, an RZ-1T trainer was used by the Jedi Padawan Ezra Bridger and Jedi Knight Kanan Jarrus to save their friends from the former Sith Lord Maul, delivering him a Sith holocron at Vizsla Keep 09. Interesting. And then now we get the Galactic Civil War. During the Galactic Civil War, the RZ-1A wings were used by the Alliance in early battles against Imperial forces and soon proved themselves as compatible fighters. Thanks to the track record, the Alliance attained a number of A wings and modified them, removing their heavy weapons and shields in order to make them fast enough in combat for new generation Imperial TIE fighters. The resulting modified A wings used by the Rebels were faster than the TIE Interceptor. So they strip the heavy weapons and shields? What? That's a sound, right? I think they kept some shields. So we have to. Mm. Uh, these modified... Removing and shields. No shields. Huh. Maybe that's why I always blow up when I use an A-Wing. No, you have shields in the squadrons, though. Oh, it's just... Oh, so it's just... It's only a game mechanic. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Weird. Uh, these modified A-Wings were deployed to the Alliance fleet at the Battle of Endor. There, under Lando Calrissian's command, Green Squadron flew against the second Death Star. Once Han Solo's strike team brought the Death Star shield generator, two A-Wing pilots flew into the Death Star but broke off to draw TIE fighters away from Calrissian. Green leader Arvel Krynid was hit by fire and crashed into the bridge of the Super Star Destroyer Executor, resulting in this destruction. And then A-Wings were also employed at the Battle of Jakku. So, between the two canon and legends, Arvel Krynid is in both. Obviously, mm -hmm. because of Return of the Jedi. Yep. Whether you're Legends canon or Disney canon, movies are still canon. Exactly. <laughs> And then the legacy of the A-Wing. After the RZ-1's decisive role in the Battle of Endor, Kuwait res resurrected its forgotten prototype to create the RZ-2, standardizing use of field modifications and making the chassis similar, slimmer and longer to yield more speed. These RZ-2s came in use by the Resistance during the war against the First Order. Now we so they are used by their... I couldn't remember if we ever see them in battle um, in the movies. I can't remember if they're at the Battle of Exegol I think or, the or the Assault on Starkiller Base. I believe... Well, I'm pretty sure we see them at least in the Exegol fight at the mm -hmm. Rise of Skywalker. I don't know about the... <laughs> Starkiller Base, we don't. This is it's a group of all X-Wings. Right, and there's no fighter. There are hardly any starfighters in Last Jedi at all. Yes. But that's also true for Empire. That's also true. Yes. Um, you yeah, have the... No face, uh, space the, dogfights. The snow speeders. Yeah, snow speeders is it. And then uh. Luke's X-Wing when he's flying around, but that's it. Right. 
it also just reminded me of how little that actually happens in the last jedi like it's a like two and a half hour movie but not a lot not a lot happens nope anyway (laughs) moving away from that just that's a fact (laughs) you can think about it what you want but it's a fact it's true (laughs) Uh, now we get to the characteristics of the A-Wing. So the RZ-1 A-Wing Starfighter was a quick, powerful strike fighter manufactured by Kuwait Systems Engineering, influenced the designs of the Republic Starfighter flown during the Clone Wars and based off the R-22 prototype. The RZ-1 A-Wing was the result of rebel engineers seeking to improve upon the original design's speed, weaponry, and defenses. In modifying the A-Wing, the Rebels first sought to equip it with a hyperdrive. They then realized they could swap out the original sublight engines mounted on the stern for two massive, more powerful Event Horizon models that made it faster than the TIE Interceptor. The original hull, weapons, and deflector system was also swapped out for a lightweight material and components, essentially a cockpit with two engines. The RZ-1 was a fast and maneuverable. It was a challenge to pilot even for someone with Jedi-like reflexes. That's impressive. If a Jedi is having issues flying an A-Wing, that is very impressive to do. Why are they so bad in the games? Good question. No, I think it really has to do with that the interceptors and the egg wings are designed for dogfighting, fighter to fighter. And whenever I play squadrons, I am okay. Let me destroy all the big ships. Yeah, at that point, just fly a bomber. Yeah, that's what I end up doing. <laughs> that's what I do. I end up flying a bomber, or I'm a fighter. I don't. I don't <laughs> use an interceptor. It's just yeah, cool. They're fast. You're just. On your way, a faster get blowing up. Yep. <laughs> uh, this challenge was due to the fact that there was no room left for fit an astromech droid. Within the limited space of the A-Wing's hull, flying the RZ-1 was not only required precision manipulation of the dorsal and vertical stabilizers, but also the thrust vector controls built into the engines and the thruster control jets located between the engines, all without assistance from an astromech. Yeah, that already sounds terrible to fly. Okay, this is another mechanic thing. So A-wings don't have an astromech on them. Y-wings and X-wings do. How does the A-wing have a repair ability in squadrons? Game mechanics. Game mechanics, yeah. (laughs) That's the only reason we have It's because if it didn't, the forums would just be full of people talking about it's unfair. True. That's true. So so as such, only the best pilots could fly the A-Wing without losing control. Also while renowned for its speed and the ship was bemoaned for frequent breakdowns, being prone to thrust decalibrations and compromised power losses beyond beyond requiring more post-flight maintenance checks than any other rebel fighter. The A-Wings were also notorious for the unusually cramped cockpit. So, retrospect, it breaks down a lot, and you need short people to fly the A-Wing. Essentially. Solid. The A-Wing was uh, also equipped with two laser cannons that could carry up to 12 
consecutive missiles, while standard borsal def- galactic defense models, the laser cannons were carried on a special vectored cannon system, allowing a greater firing arc during flight. Some A-Wings mounts uh, were modified to provide full 360 rotation, but also made more prone to jamming, especially since when used to fire rearward, rearward, each cannon would also mat to a low-powered targeting laser. So don't do a 360 model or you're losing firepower. Hmm. A surplex deflector shield generator is also carrying the A-Wing, but the projector located on the small blister between the transparasteel canopy and it used used lightweight Durastel armor to protect the titanium alloy frame. While chosen for their weight, their defenses could keep the pilot's presence safe from harm. In one instance, a smart mine detonated less than 12 meters from an A-Wing with enough destructive force to devastate a city block. Okay. So they they are a lot more capable than a TIE fighter. Just one yeah. mine would destroy the TIE fighter. I want to go back to the 360 rotation. So does that mean that spinning is not a good trick in an A-Wing? Spinning in a three, six, 360 circle, no. Just yeah, when you're like doing like a freaking uh, corkscrew, that's a different story. It was a joke, Ben. Oh, wow. No, 360 is bad. <laughs> that went over my head completely. Spinning? Let's try spinning. That's a good trick. Nubian Starfighter. Oh. <laughs> God. See... I'm tired. <laughs> ben. Oh, and I could, yes, the Jedi Interceptor was nice in Lego Star Wars. That is true. I might have to take away. You might have lost a notch on your Star Wars card. Uh, <laughs> I'll get it back. Um, All right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> while the starfighter itself was wrecked and would uh, require several days to expense repairs, the pilot was recovered was recovered with no energies that gap in the reinforcement front wedge of the A-Wing served as a towing slot when necessary. Well, that's nice. The original R-22's turn peristyle canopy was also modified or mounted on a hinge that allowed it to be lifted and tilted back for the pilot. While this feature was kept on some RZ-1s, others were modified that can be slid forward and back on special tracks. Wait, so, now I need to know, is the A-Wing doing the towing or is it being towed? Because it's in the front. Uh, I would say the one being towed. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, we've all established that it's lightweight and small and basically has nothing in it. It's basically like the race car version of Starfighter. And... How's it towing anything? Right. Uh, many pilots preferred this system, which nonetheless was more prone to malfunctioning than the simple hinge and required additional maintenance. Oh, great. Something that all the freaking 
uh, everybody loved, it breaks down. Oh, boy. So, like, the canopy chair going back and forth on a track, most pilots <laughs> preferred that. But because of that, with the difficulty of the track, it breaks down more often, so that's more repairs <laughs> has to be done for the A-Wing. I'm not impressed with the A-Wing. I'm not either. Even a little bit. <laughs> uh, the A-Wing was also uh, notable for carrying a 4X Phantom short-range sensor jammer. A-Wing sensor jammers were powerful units which drew energy directly from their engines, though larger ship sensors would be able to burn through the interference. God. They were capable of completely jamming other Starfighter sensors and communications. Which, that is a game mechanic in Squadrons. You can jam sensors of, like, missiles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Countermeasures. Deploy countermeasures. That's what it's called in Squadrons. Yes. Uh, the A-Wing was ideal for missions that required speed, hit-and-run raids, surgical strikes on capital ships, intelligence gathering missions. A compatible pilot could emerge from hyperspace, engage the fighter's powerful suite of imagers, and sensors streak around the objective at top speed and vanish back into hyperspace, all while enemy ground crews scrambled to get fighters airborne. They're like dive in, shoot a bunch of things, explode things, and then go up and disappear. You know, we kind of see this with X Wings in Rogue One when they're yeah. assaulting the science, but like the X Wings like jump out of hyperspace come down to the planet, bomb, and then are gone before anything can mm-hmm. really happen. So I'm sure with an A-wing, it's even faster. And then, uh, during the early rebellion against the Galactic Empire, a trainer variant of the A-wing called the RZ-1T was developed when used trained spine rebel pilots. In addition to the pilot seat, the model was also featured uh, feature deceit for an instructor. Where? Where? How? Behind the seat, I guess? I don't know. I think we see it in... We don't see it in the films, obviously. No. I think we see it in Rebels? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe? All... Maybe Kanan and Ezra both fly in an A-wing somewhere. I don't know, man. It, it's my same issue of like why I don't want to drive a smart car is because I feel like I'm sitting on the engine. Right. Yeah. Like, and if anything goes wrong with the engine, like there, there's no escape for me. In a car wreck, in a smart car, it's the same thing. No. Anyway. There, there, there's no, there's nothing between you and the engine. It's like, oh, if I hit head on, oh well, guess I'll die. <laughs> so, um. And then last but not least, we have behind the scenes. So the A-Wing appears in Star Wars uh, Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, designed by Ralph McQuarrie. They were originally colored blue, but had a change due to the limit blue screen technology at the time. The original coloration of the A-Wings makes its first appearance on the A-Wings of Phoenix Group in the second season of Star Wars Rebels. Hmm. So they go from blue to red because obviously blue screen technology. And then when right. Star Wars Rebel comes around and second season was 2015, yeah. I think. Something like that. 
they go back to their blue coloring because you know cgi technology and the stuff mm-hmm. we have in 2015 that's why the resistance fighters are blue because mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. yeah uh the original star wars legends backstory for the craft uh, has them being designed and fielded after the Battle of Yavin, but their appearance in Ahsoka places them surfaces 18 years before the Battle of Yavin. The Legends backstory served partly as an end-universe explanation of why the A-Wing fighters created for Return of the Jedi did not participate in the attack of the first Death Star. But, I mean, a lot of things from the original trilogy were, like, somewhat retconned, yeah um i think when it just happens even, that even before disney took over really i think it happens the ahsoka is the book that's by ek johnston um i think that it just happens that they're not in wide use like and there are not a lot of a-wings at the battle of indoor there's just one real squadron right correct most of them are flying X-Wings or some type of Y-Wings, a couple B-Wings. So I, I wouldn't really consider it a retcon. I'm just saying that like, oh, this is in development a little before. Yeah. Well, a lot before, but. And then, however, in the new Star Wars canon, A-Wings were are featured in material taking place well before the Battle of Yavin and have been given earlier origins. The production team of the Star Wars, Rebel te- or Star Wars Rebels television series explained that the intention is to depict different Rebel cells using different fighters in different parts of the galaxy. The A-Wings appear as primary starfighters of the Phoenix Squadron and Rebels, while the Rebel cell led by Jan Dordana... Uh, was portrayed in Star Wars A New Hope using primarily X-Wings and Y-Wings. So they weren't necessarily retcon, they were just in a different part of the galaxy at the yes. time of the, of the um, attack of the first Death Star. John, John Dordana was the leader for the team, fighter teams in New Hope, while uh, June Sato was the leader of Phoenix Squadron where they had all the A-Wings, which they were over by Lothal, which is... Right. Midrim? Right. Right, yeah. And the Death Star was out in the Outer Rim? I believe. I think Lothal is... Lothal is... If it's Midrim, it's like very, very the end of the Midrim. Mm-hmm. I think it's Midrim. Mm-hmm. I can't remember on the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And the Battle of Endor intended to show the first time the entire Rebel Alliance comes together, therefore includes both sets of the ships. This allows Rebels producers to do more with the A-Wings, which were not shown in action very much in Return of the Jedi. I am 90% sure we see A-Wings in Rogue One on the Battle of Jakku. Or not Jakku, uh, Scarif. The Battle of Scarif. I wouldn't Um, be uh... I wouldn't be surprised. So maybe that's it. Um, I kind of like thing like the rebel, like the battle of indoors, the first time the rebel Alliance really comes together, I guess maybe, but like the way that they're portrayed, at least in the movies, like after the battle of Yavin, the rebel Alliance is kind of in one spot, really. But I guess we won't know unless we get more 
Revels content in comics or stuff that show them after the Battle of the Thal. Um, I do not know. I'm not seeing the A-Wing being up in show Rogue One. Mm, well, maybe it's not. Maybe they're having attention to detail like that. But I do know they do take place in Exegol. I do remember that. Yes. They had like almost every ship that we've seen in Star Wars in the Exegol fight. Yes. Which is great. But that is all we got for the A-Wing. All right. Well, thank you all for listening for the On the Holocron History Podcast. And may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.